0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back, copywriters, to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: Nathan, I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be back on the call, and I'm just going to turn it over to you, and we're just going to take it from there.
1: All right, thanks. Hey, Nathan, I was at a marketing conference a little while ago, and I ended up sitting next to this woman named Maya, who had the most unusual briefcase I'd ever seen, So I asked her about it, and she said, I got it at the Coach store. I was planning to spend no more than $300 but the fashion advisor asked me some questions, and then she recommended this one based on my answers. I just nodded, and then she said, I ended up spending $700, and you know, I really hate the salespeople at the other stores, but Connie wasn't a salesperson at all. She just found out what I was looking for and showed it to me. I I simply had to have it. So I bit my tongue, and I did my best to keep a straight face. I didn't say anything. I didn't want to burst Maya's bubble by pointing out that Connie was a good salesperson, and that's why Maya didn't see her as a salesperson at all. But Maya's attitude about salespeople would have made it very hard for her to be successful as a copywriter. And that's what I want to talk about today. Nice. But first, a pleasant reminder. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do it all the time.
0: I hear a lot of people say... Um, if you're a writer and you 're not making the money that you want writing, copywriting is a great uh, a great opportunity and if you 're a good writer, copywriting can be very lucrative and i don't hear very many people when they espouse how great copywriting is i don't hear very many people put that much of an emphasis on sales you're saying that sales is important for a copywriter
1: well, the people you're talking to probably are not very experienced um because I had a conversation about three weeks ago with an A lister who has written controls that have lasted over 10 years. And he said he'd thought about this a lot and looked at his own experience and looked at the other people at the top of the pyramid. And what this guy said is that success in copywriting, where you're going to make some money, where you're going to make a living, where you're going to get people looking for you. Boils down to one third writing ability and two-thirds sales ability. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if if you look at copy, you know, from the point of view of being a a poet or a journalist or a content writer, man, it looks a lot easier. The words are simpler and the sentences are shorter, and what could be so hard about that? And maybe it's hard, maybe it's not, but there's sales hidden in all of those words. And you know, like with Maya um, if the sales is too if the sales are too obvious uh, then they're not hidden, then it doesn't work so well so let let's talk about it from this point of view because I know for some people uh this is going to be disturbing uh, it's going to shake up their world, and for people who understand the proper role and the importance of sales in business in general and in copywriting in particular, this is going to be reassuring and there's going to be a lot of value. So let's, there's there's a few kind of people listening to our podcast today, our episode, and uh, let me just address these types of people. If you have a background in sales, it helps. But even there, you have differences. The mindset the sales mindset is the same in copy, but some of the techniques are a little different now. If you don't have a sales background, I strongly urge you to check your attitude because if you have a negative attitude toward sales, if you think it's fundamentally an evil or exploitive or horrible thing, then succeeding as a copywriter is going to be indescribably tough for you, however. If you're open to or interested in sales and wondering how it applies to copywriting and how you can find ways to do it that you're comfortable with, there's hope for you.
0: So you say if you have a negative attitude toward sales, and that kind of seems to be like the prevailing attitude uh, of most people nowadays. Um, how how can that attitude sabotage your sales copy if you're trying to write sales copy, but you have that conflict where you're anti-sales? How can that show up or what kind of subconscious uh, cues will that lead to when you're trying to write a sales letter?
1: Well, it's pretty simple. It's like driving with one foot on the accelerator and one foot on the brake. There's part of you that doesn't want to do it. Or there's part of you that's going to make sure that you don't do it well, that you sabotage it. Furthermore, if you have an anti-sales attitude, you're probably not going to know very much about sales. And so you're not going to do it well. I find the most interesting thing is when people who are ignorant of sales and very anti-sales try to write copy or try to sell something, they become the most ham-fisted, hard-selling, awkward salespeople of all.
0: Mm. And then something that I've noticed is, uh, we've kind of talked about it in the past, is um, the phenomenon of kind of selling from the hill when it comes to to the time to actually make the offer, they back off, they lose, they lose the confidence, they lose the momentum. And that's kind of, uh, once you've done all that buildup, if you, if you back off at the end, um, you're really shooting yourself in the foot with all the momentum that you had built up in the beginning.
1: Yeah. And I think that comes from a different, um, place than being anti-sales. I think that comes from timidity or fear, and sometimes from perfectionism. Because perfectionism is an internal message; that says you cannot make a mistake. And if you cannot make a mistake, that means you have to be right or successful one hundred percent of the time. And the reality is, in sales, you're almost never successful one hundred percent of the time. Mm. So get over it. You know, uh, life life is variable and random. There. Really very few certainties in human behavior. Okay. All the best we can do is, is uh, maximize the probabilities. So, um, you know, if you're still with us, you're probably interested in, in sales. Otherwise, you've just said, oh, well, the hell with this. I'm not interested. But <laughs> if you are, I've identified three key sales skills for copywriters, and I want to share them with you.
0: All right. Awesome. I'm excited.
1: Good. So the first one is lining three things up so that they are connected and congruent. And I know that sounds real complicated and conceptual. It's really simple. So uh, I couldn't find a simpler way to say it than lining three things up. The first thing is prospects. You need to understand your prospects, you need to know who they are, who they're not. And of those that are your prospects, you need to understand their world where they live, what their life is like, their values, how they talk, what their biggest problems are, and especially what problems they have that they can't solve that your offer is going to help them solve. Okay, that's that's the first thing you need to line up. Second thing is your offer. That's what you're going to be selling them and how you're going to be describing it. And you need to be clear on what you have that solves their biggest problem or problems and how what you have solves them. You need to know this inside out. And this part's really important. You need to be able to explain it clearly so they can get it the first time they read it or hear it or see it. And just as important that that they don't need to have any technical background or inside knowledge to get it. You need to be able to explain that offer real clearly. And the third thing is What is unique, valuable, and preferable about your offer? Let me say that again. What is unique, valuable, and preferable about your offer? So unique means it's different from anything else they can find in a way they would like. Valuable means that Essentially, what they're getting from you is going to be worth more to them than the money they're going to be spending or investing in what you're selling to them from their point of view. And preferable means better or cheaper or more convenient or faster or simpler. Um, Now, in order to do this, in order to be able to say this, you can't just pull stuff out of thin air. You need to know what other offers your prospect is looking at, and what's different and better, what's more valuable, what's unique, what's preferable about yours. So you need to become familiar. Even if you know that what you have is incomparable in the world, maybe incomparable from your point of view, but believe me, people thinking of spending money are going to be comparing. So it's not incomparable to them, okay? Mm
0: -hmm. And can I ask a question about the offer section? Yeah. Uh so you said you need to know what you have that solves their biggest problem or problems and how it solves how it solves those problems and you really need to know this inside and out. Uh when it comes to your offer, how important is being able to explain uh how the how the solution is delivered, what the solution entails um I see a lot of times copywriters only focus on the solution. And, you know, it'll help solve this problem. But sometimes when reading those solutions, I still have questions about: Well, is this delivered via email? Is it? Do I get a sign up for the course? Does it come in? Does it come in the mailbox? Is it uh, on a thumb drive? Is it membership to a? Well, there's still like a lot of. Um, there's still like a lot of questions that when. The only thing that's addressed is this will solve the problem. I I still have a little bit of hesitancy because I feel like I'm being asked to walk into a dark room basically. And uh, how important is, is illuminating more than just the solution when it comes to knowing your offer?
1: Well, great way that you put it walking into a dark room. I think a good way to explain this is you need to, Assume that your prospect is blind, literally, cannot see, and um, also English is their second language. So you need to explain it in such simple sensory terms that they will be able to envision it without seeing it in their mind and understand all of the steps of, of getting and using and benefiting from your offer because essentially they are blind. They usually can't see what you have. You know that, you assume that other people know that, and that's a very dangerous assumption, and it's wrong. Mm.
0: And it comes into the the whole curse of knowledge thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, the curse of knowledge, I think that was one of the most brilliant marketing and communication, I don't know if you call it a discovery or a um, articulation. One of the most brilliant things anyone's ever said about it from, of course, Chip and Dan Heath from Make It Stick. Great book.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interject. I'll let you go ahead now.
1: No, that's fine. I'm glad you asked because it's an important point. So, okay. Second sales skill for copywriters is anticipating and answering objections. Now, a lot of people don't like the idea of selling because they think, oh, they're going to have objections. I'm going to have to argue with them. Don't look at it that way. Look at objections as the reasons a prospect who wants what you have is hesitant to buy it. They will have some reasons. If you can settle their minds on those reasons, you may well have a sale. And the good news here is there are about half a dozen basic objections that most people will have about most offers. Um, there may be others, and you may need to get some help figuring out what they are or sell the product live to people and see what questions and objections they come up with. But here are the six main things for most products. Number one, it costs too much. Number two, how do I know it will work in general? How do I know this product even works or this service even works? And Then, number three, how do I know that it will work for me, the prospect? Not me, David, me, the prospect. Number four, what if something goes wrong? Number five, will I be able to use it myself? And number six, what do others say about it? Believe it or not, people are very interested, even though they're individuals and they're self centered and all of those other things about you know, copy being one conversation to one person, they want to know what other people think and what's happened with other people, because that's really the only way they can reality test a product or a service short of actually getting it themselves. So it's a way they reduce their risk. So there's those six six questions. And here's the key. You need to be able to come up with answers to these objections, and it'll be a lot easier Once you have the basic knowledge in the first skill, the basic knowledge and understanding of the three areas from lining up, once you really know your offer, once you really know your prospect's mindset, and once you really know competing offers your prospects will consider and specifically why yours is better, then it's just going to be a lot easier to tell people why it doesn't cost too much, why it's a better value, uh, why you know this is going to work because um, people have used it, you've used it, you worked hard to test all the faulty spots, how the individual's gonna know it works for them, what are they gonna do if something goes wrong, do you have a diagnostic system or a customer service department, or what, you know, a return policy, a repair policy, Will people be able to use it, and what the others say? Once you know those things from the first skill, it's a lot easier to address and answer those questions.
0: And then you just work those into your segments. So, uh, if the objection is it costs too much, maybe you can do a value stack where you show if you had to buy this product, this product, and this product all to do what this one product does, how much would you actually be spending? Or If you want to, if you know that they're going to want to know what others say, you can add in some testimonials. Um, If they're worried that it, it, something might go wrong, then you can throw in a guarantee. So once you know these objections, then you can work it into different aspects of your copy. Is, Is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't need to be quite so literal as to say, now, you may have these objections. One, it costs too much. Well, actually, it doesn't because, you know, <laughs> you, you, know, you, you want to be a, a little more indirect and smooth and conversational than that. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the way to do it. Okay, cool. Uh, what's number three? Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leave you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at HighSpeedCopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, HighSpeedCopywriting.com. Thank you, and now back to our show. Number three, sales skill for copywriters number three, is increasing two things in your prospect, while your prospect is actually reading your copy. The first thing is to increase their desire. And the second thing is to increase their sense of urgency. Now, with desire, this should be obvious, and to most people it will be, but I know there's going to be at least one listener where this is going to be a lightning bolt from the heavens. The more you can make your prospect want it, the easier it will be to get them to buy. And the, the key thing here is you don't just keep adding more and more bullets and you don't just keep making more audacious and unproven claims. That's not what increases desire. What increases desire is, as a copywriter, expanding your vision of what the prospect is going to get from the offer beyond the most literal problem it's going to solve. So instead of selling them only a solution, you're selling them a solution and a better life. And with enough brainstorming and imagination, you can figure out how just about any product actually gives a person a better life. I'm not saying it's going to improve every aspect of their life in every way, because you know, maybe short of religion or politics, there's nothing that could you know make those promises, and I haven't seen too many deliveries on either one there. But what you need to do is use your imagination to think. Okay, once I've solved this problem, what other aspects of a person's life, which were difficult, challenging, frustrating, limited, painful, will suddenly change? Mm. You know, uh, and and you see this on. TV commercials all the time. Somebody has joint pain and, you know, they solve it with some uh, nefarious pharmaceutical drug. And all of a sudden you see them bowling and taking their grandkids in a ride in the stroller. Uh, that That's not just my, my elbows and my wrists don't hurt so much. That's mm. my quality of life is improved. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Kind of like if you're selling maybe a, a program that'll help you get your finances in better order. It's not just getting your finances in order. It's financial freedom. It's the ability to take a vacation when you want. It's the, uh, the promise of maybe a a better marriage because you're not fighting with merit with, uh, with your significant other about money problems anymore. Um, it goes down to, uh, not just the, the solution of, of better understanding how to manage your finances. You have to also kind of paint the picture of how it trickles off into improvements in other areas of your life as well
1: wait a minute you did that too well what is that program i need to get it immediately
0: <laughs> well it, it's uh it's for sale for twenty nine ninety nine and three easy payments of nine ninety nine, and you can get that over at art no i'm just playing
1: okay well i i just did a quick calculation and i can save two cents if i use the payment plan so i'll go for it okay <laughs> So so that's, that's, that's one way. That's a good way to increase desire. There are others, but that's a good place to start. Then let's talk about increasing urgency. And there are two main ways to do that. One is with devices that many of us are really familiar with, like um, there's a limited quantity. Uh, there's a deadline after which it will not be available. There's a Price goes up after a certain date. That just worked with me. By the way, on Tuesday, Um, somebody who makes supplements that I really like told me, "Oh, he wrote this heartfelt email that he's been trying for eight years not to raise the price, but you know, the the managers or the accountants or the formulators or I don't know, maybe beings from another planet are going to force him to raise the price on this date." But if I were to order buy the next 48 hours, then I could get the old lower price. And since I take the supplement all the time, I thought, okay, I'll do it. You know, I don't even know if this is true, but um, I'm scared enough that it is that I'd rather pay the lower price. <laughs> um, so, th- you know, those are those are four. There there are other things. You know, those are all basically takeaway type closes to create urgency. The other one's more internal and. It's, I think, best understood by uh, what's become known as the crossroads Close. I'm pretty sure John Benson named the crossroad close uh, and it's called the Crossroad Close because it says, "Well, right now you're at a crossroad. You know, um, I'll, I'll use copywriting as an example. You can try to figure this stuff out on your own like I have for 30 years, or you can continue to listen to the copywriter's podcast and buy everything that we sell, because when you do that, you will get accumulated, concentrated wisdom, and it will shorten your learning curve and speed up your, okay, you see that, so you're, you're painting a picture of two ways you can go, and that really is more internal. The short version of that is the danger of doing nothing. What would your life be like if you don't get this offer? That creates urgency, too.
0: I think that really gets down to the point, too, that a lot of people in sales and in copywriting don't really understand, which is you're not just competing against other people who have a similar offer. You're also competing against the option of doing nothing.
1: Well, you you are. And believe me, procrastination is probably a bigger, either procrastination or total inaction. They're probably bigger enemies of the sale than competitors, you know, depending on your situation. I mean, if if you're trying to come up with a new cola, Pepsi and Coke sort of got you in a corner. But in, in a lot of situations where there isn't some 800-pound gorilla dominating the market, if you have an advantage, you, you can find some people in your market who will prefer your advantage to other options.
0: So... Unless you had anything else, I think this is a good point to kind of sum up the uh, the whole point of this episode.
1: Well, yeah, I do have one other thing. These are three skills that will really get your copywriting going better if you don't have them. Or if you have them and you haven't really developed them, developing them will make you more successful in many ways. These are not the only sales skills. I mean... You know, there's a there's a saying among salespeople, of course, that you know, sales is not a department. You know, sales is a way of thinking and a way of acting. Um, and there's a old saying that nothing happens until somebody sells something. Hmm. I think that relates to business. Obviously, things do happen in the world without somebody selling something, but uh, you know, so. This is a way to open the door and for people who aren't clear on the concept of sales or aren't sure where to start. I'm, I must have 100 books on sales. I have stuff from, you know, Elmer Wheeler, who tested sentences. He has a book called Tested Sentences That Sell, which he, where he actually did A-B splits on lines delivered out loud in department stores by cashiers and clerks, you know. I have have all kinds of books on sales. And uh, to me, it's become a lifelong study because it is such an integral part of copywriting. So uh, use these three skills as a jumping up point and then see where you want to go from there. And let me summarize the skills again. Number one is to line up these three things your customer, your offer, and the unique value of your offer. Number two, anticipate and answer objections. And number three, Write so that you increase the desire and the sense of urgency in your prospect. I would say that's about it.
0: Nice. Who was it that coined the phrase, copy is salesmanship in print?
1: That was John E. Kennedy. And he was a Canadian Mountie who found his way to Chicago to tell that to Albert Lasker, who founded Lord and Thomas, the ad agency on Michigan Avenue in Chicago that pretty much created everything that we know and see today in direct marketing that was over 100 years ago that was early 1903 1904 i think that's when it happened
0: but today's episode proves that it still holds true today david
1: what do we have coming up next week next week we have the power of the flow state
0: Mm. all right awesome i can't wait to hear that one all right copywriters thank you for joining us this has been another episode of the copywriters podcast if you want more make sure you head on over to copywriterspodcast.com and check out all the episodes we've got available for you over there and until next time we will catch you later
1: catch you later thanks Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on GarfinkelMedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to GarfinkelMedia.com and fill out the form. That's GarfinkelMedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriter's Podcast.